Well, good morning. Man, I'm glad to see y'all here today. Uh, oh, man. Hey, can you grab that clicker off that uh, table in there for me, on the Lord's Supper table in there? I might need that. I, I didn't lose your clicker. I, I got it. If I did, there's always eBay, so I'm, I'm prepared. So, But today we're going to be in a couple different passages, as uh, you can see there in Ephesians 2, as well as Matthew 5. We're going to start in Ephesians, though. Um, hopefully they can find it in there, but it's all right. So my very first job was at Dairy Queen, and Dairy Queen, I'm telling you, that thing, I love that thing. Did you find it? Oh, man, thank you. You're, you're so kind. So my first job was Dairy Queen. I loved working at Dairy Queen. I really did. It was so much fun. I always said if it paid the bills, I'd probably still be working there. But, you know, it's probably also the people I worked with as well. And so I worked at Dairy Queen, even though it was my first job, I worked there for three years, and it was awesome. I really did like So there's this one owner, though, his name was Kim, and he uh, was having a problem with people there's like this little island by the drive and people kept driving through it and he was getting mad. So he's like, I'm going to go buy this big rock and I'm going to put it there. So he showed up one day and I'm in the back cleaning dishes or something probably. He comes back and says, Andrew, I need you to help me. And I walk out there, I see this huge rock and this is like a 400 pound rock. He's like, we're going to move this. And I said, oh. I know I look big and strong right now, you know. I have not always looked this good. So in high school, I wasn't quite this buff. It's a... Uh, that wasn't a joke. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> no, but so I walk out there, and he says, let's move this rock. And I said, that rock looks really heavy. He's like, it's only 400 and some pounds. I said, let's go get some more help. He's like, we got it. And I said, first off, Kim is like in his 70s, and I'm like 16 or 17. I'm thinking, this is not a good combination. And I said, there is plenty of other people in there right now. We're not busy. I think there's one customer in the entire store. We can go get them. We can get this done. No, he's like, we got this. We don't need them. I'm like, this sounds like a bad idea. So we get over there. He has us on this trailer. And so we get over there, start moving this rock off this trailer. And as we start moving it, we get to the edge. And all of a sudden, as you might have guessed, we cannot hold this weight. Let me rephrase it. I held my weight, obviously. <laughs> Kim dropped his in, but when you drop 400, a side of 400 pounds, the other side falls with it. And the problem was it landed on my foot. And I thought... I'm telling you, I thought my foot was broke, and Kim all of a sudden thought, what have I just done? Because he thought, he's the owner, and he's now going to have to pay some bills. And all of a sudden, his mindset changed of what he should have asked for help with, because he's thinking, man, maybe I should have asked some of those other guys. And he knew I was in pain, because I was walking around, and he's like, uh, if you need to take the rest of the day off paid, I was like, I'd never do this, but you can do it. <laughs> and I was like, I was just thinking, no, I can, I'm okay, I think. After I walk off this limp I got, and my foot's hanging over here, but I'm okay. But nothing was actually wrong with it. But the thing is that sometimes we actually do need help. Sometimes we need more help than we actually realize. And uh, this week we've been talking about serving and service and being a servant leader even uh, with the youth. And so we're going to continue that conversation today. Uh, even some of the youth, they went out yesterday and we went to the Union Rescue Mission here in Wichita and helped them uh, serve there. Uh, the Union Rescue Mission, they have this book program there. And the, for the uh, guys that go through their program, they allow them to come in here and work in this book program, and they put these books online and resell them, just kind of help them get a steady job at the beginning to kind of get them back into, into society. And so the youth help, like, the beginning process of all these books that got donated, figuring out what's good and what's bad, and 
then the other guys will come in there later. But uh, so they even got a small taste of even being able to serve yesterday with with that thing. And so today we're going to look at Ephesians, though, chapter 2. And this is probably a verse that many of us have heard and probably even read many times ourselves. But starting here in, in verse 8. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not, a, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. And so we've all heard this many times, right? And, or at least most of us have probably heard it at least once or twice. So, you know, our salvation is not because of anything we do. It's all because of God. It's all because of God's grace. And so, uh, but then it, it doesn't end there. Look at the next verse, because verse 10 here, this is good. It says, for... Right after it says, you know, no one can boast, this is all God's work, his grace. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So get this. So Paul here, the writer of Ephesians, writes and says, okay, so all this salvation stuff that you guys have, this process of becoming saved, is nothing that you can do. It's nothing you can boast about because it's not you at all. It says, all God. It's all his grace. But then the very next thing he says, but, even though it's not because of any works you've done, it says, but God's already prepared you to do works. He's prepared you to work and to serve, man, as a part of your salvation. Not for your salvation, but as a result of your salvation. And so the very next step, step that Paul states is, one, you're going to get saved. is by God. Step two, go serve. I mean, if that's the next step, I mean, even Jesus said, right before he left earth, says, Go now, therefore, and baptize all nations. I mean, his very next step was go serve, go baptize, go tell. It was not just come sit here, you know, listen to some songs. It was go. And so, the first thing here, boom, it works. I like it. So, you are his workmanship. So, you are his workmanship. And so, not only is grace nothing but us, but it says that we are his workmanship. And so, I mean, his workmanship is, is God is working. He's worked to create us. We are a product of his creation. But then not only are we a product of his creation, then you turn around and we are um, to work as a part of his creation. So we're created by God in order to work for God. We are created to serve God, to worship God, to serve others. And so we are his workmanship. And so um, the thing is, salvation is only possible because of God's grace. And many of you are like, I know that, Andrew. Why are you telling me? Because we need to be reminded sometimes. Sometimes we even start going through the motions of things and think, man, man, look how great I am. I've thought that sometimes before. And, oh, man, I'll tell you, when you think that, God has a way of telling you, oh, you really think you're that good, huh? Oh, I'm telling you, it's, you probably all have stories just like mine where you start doing something, man, I am the greatest. I cannot believe people live this long without me. That's supposed to be funny, but it's okay. <laughs> Obviously, people live way before I came around. So, but salvation is possible because, only because of God's grace. The next thing here, but the next step in salvation is good works. So, so we get saved because of God's grace, but then the next step is God's um, is good works because of our salvation and so when I was in high school I was on the cross-country team and so I don't know why you're laughing at that for that's not funny at all that's a real sport if you like to run 
which I don't, which I have no clue why I did cross-country then. But, so I joined this cross-country team, and I thought, man, I don't know if I can do this, but, you know, surely I can get really good at it pretty quickly, right? And so there's this one kid that went to my school. His name was Kyle. I really hope none of you know him, but, you know, if you, anyways, moving on. So, but Kyle, he was like the best person on our team, and we went to this one meet, and uh, he's been meet every race, beat everybody in our, in our, from our school every race. And so we get to this one meet, and we start running, and all of a sudden, I'm coming up on Kyle in the middle of this race. I'm thinking, hot dog, I'm going to win today, you know. And it's just one of those days that it's raining, it's muddy, your feet are heavy anyways because they're just caked in mud and everything. It's just, it was tough running. And so I'm thinking, this is my chance, this is my opportunity. I mean, I came through the finish line before him, and I sit there, and I waited for him because I wanted to make sure he knew, yo, home slice, right here? <laughs> I'm here first. And so by the time I thought I'm getting really good, so a couple weeks later, he quits like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. I have no idea why, but I like to tell myself it's because I beat him. So, <laughs> but this was towards the end of the season, so it was like one week left in the season because that's how long it took me to catch up, but... Either way, so the next season comes around, and Kyle's like, I'm not doing it. I'm thinking, this is awesome. I'm going to be the best on the team. So first week of practice, we don't even have a meet yet. First week of practice, we're running out, and the coach says, let's do something different for our exercise. They like, let's play soccer. And I thought, this is a great idea. That way I don't have to just run. I can run with a ball or something, because who likes just running? If you, Some people do, and those people are kind of crazy I'm just telling you I'm sure there's somebody in here that loves running and more power to you you gotta run for the both of us so but so we start playing soccer and all of a sudden out of nowhere this ball comes and I'm thinking I'm going to kick this thing and instead of kicking it then my foot lands on top of it and all of a sudden I fly up and I'm thinking oh this is going to hurt so I try to catch myself and in the process I break my arm the problem was I just broke my arm 10 weeks earlier, like exactly 10 weeks earlier. So my arm wasn't quite healed yet. Apparently you're supposed to wear a splint after you get out. If you ever break your arm, suggestion, wear the splint. I was not. And then all of a sudden I broke my arm and I was like, man, like my season, it was hurt so bad. I mean, if I had an x-ray, I'd show you, but you couldn't handle Basically, this is the bone. This is what my bone looked like. It was bad. And so all of a sudden... I, I go to school, and they're like, Here you got your arm broken cross-country practice. Also, you want to talk about humbling you real quick. <laughs> they're like, you play cross, you, not even play, you run cross-country, and you broke your arm. You don't even use your arms in cross-country. <laughs> the other side was the person who was closest to me while we were playing soccer was a girl. And so, like, you got your arm broke at cross-country practice by a girl in a non-contact sport of cross-country. And I'm just thinking, this is not good. I mean, you want to talk about humbling yourself. All of a sudden, I realized at that moment, I was like, there is nothing about me that is special. There is nothing about me that is the greatest cross-country person ever, even in the history of that school, because probably later that year, they beat all my records, so it didn't even matter. Nothing my record was good to begin with, so it wasn't going to take long. But the thing is, is that when we have the... The, the thought process of we are the greatest. God has a way of showing us that it is him in charge. You know, sometimes we think that our salvation, that we have something to do with our salvation because of the things we do, because we go to church, because, 
you know, we give our money to the church, even man, I must be really good in front of God's eyes. And all those things are great things to do if your heart is in the right place. But when we start thinking it's because of something that we do, God has a way of showing us that it's not. And salvation has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. And so uh, these things that it talks about here, I mean, in verse 10 it says right here, it says, uh, we are his workmanship, says we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are created for these good works. But not only that, it says that these, which God had prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. And so God has already prepared you for these works by giving you gifts, by giving you abilities, by giving you talents so that you can go and serve. None of these things that we have are because of us. Even the accomplishments that we have in our life, who do you think gave you those gifts? Who do you think is the one who gave you those abilities and, and those talents to do those things? I mean, it's, it's obviously God. And so one of the things I want to do that's going to be a little bit different, but it's going to help you out. But um, we're going to have some of our seniors here that went through D-Now. I want them just to share with you a little bit of what it means to serve and something that they learned this weekend about serving. So you can get a little bit of, of a taste of what um, some of the things that they learned as well as hear their heart on serving. So come on up here. There you go. So they can see you. Don't run away from it. Here's the microphone. There you go, Dean. Tell them what, what you know about serving. So what I've learned is that you can come from different backgrounds to serve. We all come from different backgrounds, like, but we can all serve in the church in the same way. We all have different gifts that we can serve, too. Uh, what I learned from serving in D-Now is that serving is always a choice, and it's the choice that matters, and it's the choice that makes serving worthwhile. If you're forced to do it, then it's not serving. It's, it's work. Serving is meant to be sacrificing. So we learned a lot of stuff this weekend, and it was a really good weekend, um, but one of the really important things that stuck out to me was um, everything was forgiven on the cross, but that doesn't, that doesn't give us the right to be selfish with our actions. We have to be willing to serve in whatever we do, and we have to do it with a willing and open heart for Jesus in everything that we do, no matter where we are. All right, so one thing that our speaker Scott said that really stuck with me was who you are on the inside will reflect what you do on the outside. So any of us can come to church and, you know, we can just prance around, yeah, I know Jesus, whatever, but if you don't truly know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and if you don't have a relationship with him, it will show in some form of your life. So serving others and having that heart that's on fire for Jesus and wanting to show people Jesus is so important, especially for us teenagers, because Andrew and Tim and Scott and Theo and Brother Lauren always say, we can't get in your schools, but you guys are already in your schools, and you guys already have this mission field. And we go to so many different schools in this youth group, and each of us are placed in that school for a specific reason. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, guys. You know, um, something that some of these seniors, as well as a few other youth, one of the things that they did just recently, just this past week before Disciple Now even happened, is they approached me about how they could serve you. They're already thinking, even before this weekend, about serving. If that doesn't give you, like, Jesus bumps, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> because they knew Disciple Now was coming. They didn't even know we were going to be talking about serving. And all of a sudden, God's already working on their hearts 
of how to serve you in this church. About, they didn't even say serve the young kids. They said, how can we serve the adults in this church? How can we serve this community around our church? Their hearts and minds are already thinking and working on that before we ever showed up to D-Now. You want to talk about God moving and God working and God speaking. Maybe same thing is with you. Maybe God's already been speaking to you about getting involved in some way, about serving somewhere. Man, I, so if you flip over the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Um, so Jesus is talking here, and as part of his Sermon on the Mount, so basically this really long sermon. Don't worry, mine won't be that long. Although I'm a pastor's kid, so I can't tell time very well. So I say not long, it might be four hours, who knows. Hope you brought your lunch. So Matthew chapter 7, though, uh, starting in verse 15 here, and Jesus is talking, and he says, Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every tree bear, for every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. But he doesn't even end there. He keeps going and says, But not everyone who even says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? It says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so here we just saw that Paul, speaking the words of God in this letter to the Ephesians, says, it's not anything that you do, it's God's grace that saves you. But God has already prepared you to do good works through your salvation, because of your salvation, not for your salvation, but because of your salvation. And then here, just going back a little ways to Jesus, and Jesus here is saying, you know what a good Christian has, what a good witness for Jesus has? It has fruit, has good works. And so the next thing here is, the question I have is, where is your fruit? What fruit do you have? Because Jesus said right here, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. But it says, the other thing says, a bad tree who produces no good fruit, says good for one thing, right? To be thrown into the fire. Where's our, where's our fruit? It's all about a lifetime of service. So as much as, as it's good to serve and Sometimes we say, well, you know, well, I went to church that one time because it was Easter, so I was there. Or I said, man, I'm in church every week. I give my money to the church. I even help in the nursery because I was forced into it because, you know, my wife is also serving, so I might as well do something too instead of sit out here and awkwardly talk to the pastor. So, not that it's awkward, but, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, but sometimes we have these excuses, say, well, you know, well, I do this in the church, or I do this, or... We have all these things. Well, I do all these things, so I must be pretty great. And again, we're going back to point to ourselves instead of pointing to God. You know, and this weekend we talked about service and not being something that is even something that becomes comfortable to us, but something that makes us step out of our comfort zone. 
And so your fruit, your good works, it's evidence of your salvation. It's evidence of your salvation. I mean, when Jesus said here that you'll know them by their fruits, you'll know these witnesses of Jesus, those who claim to be witnesses of Jesus and those who claim to be and are not, you'll know them by the things that they're doing, by the works and the fruit that they have in their lives. So where's our fruit? Where's your fruit at? We have all these things that we think are, that we're getting us to heaven and we're just going through the motions. Because you can go through the motions of good works and not have salvation, just like you have salvation and have nothing else to show for it, which means you don't have salvation. You can trick yourself on either side of that. I mean, there's, I, well, to give you a stat here, I think I put it in here. Maybe not. Whoa. What just happened there? Oh, I went back. Me and technology are really good friends today. Uh-oh, help me, it's not going. Go to the, there you go. So without Jesus and ultimately fruit, you're worth, worth nothing more than firewood. That's not my words, those are Jesus' words. So the question is, where are you serving? You don't even have to necessarily serve in a church, although I, I do believe that you should. You might be able to serve some homeless people. You might be able to serve people around. So, uh, Brother Lauren, many of you know him because, you know, he's on staff here, so hopefully you do. But me and Brother Lauren, we were talking just a while back and figured out we know, we've known each other for way too long. So, uh, me and Brother Lauren talked. I think we decided we knew each other for like 13 years or something now. And he told me that he wished he, it'd be like two or something, but, you know, I don't know what he meant by that. But, so... Lauren and I met because um, he's been going to Mardi Gras, as you know, for several years, doing some street witnessing there. And so when I was just out of high school, uh, Brother Lauren was at the association here in town, and he kind of sent out something to all the church saying, if you have any young men or men in general who want to go to New Orleans and tell people about Jesus, send them our way. So my friend Tyson and I, uh, my dad told us about it, and we was like, man, that sounds awesome. Let's go do it. So we went. And we met Brother Lauren there. And on the way there, we heard this guy, Mark Jackson, call him Grandpa. And so now I call him Grandpa. But he calls me grandson, so I think it works itself out. But so me and Lauren, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, there was even one time we were flying out to Los Angeles to tell, help some churches do some street witnessing and help train some of them. And Tyson and I went, and our flight was a little bit early, so we're waiting. We're like downtown L.A., and it's a really nice hotel, and we're like up on this balcony thing looking down to the foyer, and all of a sudden, Lauren walks in, and we start yelling, Grandpa, Grandpa! And we start running towards, and I'm telling you, no joke, he walked in, saw us, and turned around, and <laughs> tried to pretend like he didn't even know us. I have no idea why he would do that. Me and Tyson are the sweet, just such sweet guys that I don't understand, but uh Lauren was a little bit embarrassed, but it's all right, because Lauren loves us. But I tell you all this because Lauren has been in my life for a number of years now. And, and I don't say this to make Lauren look really great. I mean, that sounds bad too, but you know what I mean. But by watching Lauren, I've watched Lauren minister and serve people over and over and over again. I've seen him serve in the streets of New Orleans. I, I've seen him serve here in Wichita. I've seen him take food to homeless people. I've seen him help pastors who are struggling and meet with them. I, I've seen them help police officers around this city. I, I've seen them do 
thing after thing after thing, just him serving. He does none of it so that anybody would say anything about him, but also people would be pointing to Jesus. I, I don't know if I've ever met somebody in my life that wants people to know Jesus as much as Brother Lauren wants people to know Jesus. And it's not for any gain on his things so he can check something off. It's simply because he loved Jesus and wants you to know Jesus too. And so when I look at the Lord, I, I see the fruit. I see the fruit of, of his work, the fruit of the things that he's been doing, and the fruit of, that's happening because of him serving other people, because of him serving Christ ultimately. And so, I mean, our real question is, where is our fruit? Are we going to be this firewood, or are we going to actually get out and do something? That's what God calls us to do, to get out. So here's something. It is estimated that about 20% of regular church attenders volunteer in the church. And depending on where you look, that estimation can vary a little bit, but it's really close to around that point. Here's another stat that's been out for a while, and again, it's an estimation because there's no one's actually going to admit that you know, I go to church, of course I serve, I always help, you know. But I believe it's Billy Graham that first estimated that he, he believed there's about that 80% of regular church attenders were not saved. Do you see a correlation with these here? And again, these are close estimations, but by looking in the average American church, I think these statistics are very close to accurate. 20% of people in churches roughly serve in the church, which means 80% of people do nothing but show up, sit down, sing some songs, clap their hands, maybe shake someone's hand if, if they haven't sneezed on it, and then they walk away. And then the other side is they estimate that probably 80% of regular church attenders are not even saved. And then here, if you go back to our passage here, Paul said, you're saved by grace, and you're saved so that you can do good works because you are God's workmanship. You are called to serve. And Jesus here says, if you're going to serve, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're going to have fruits that go along with your life. Where's our fruit? Where's your fruit? Where are you serving at? The thing is, every church can do great things in their community. Every church would be able to, our church right here, would be able to reach the entire city of Wichita in a short number of years if everybody pitched in. Any church in Wichita could do it. Any church in Wichita that had even 90% of the people serving and helping would be able to reach the entire city in a short number of years. I say it's to kind of make you feel bad, but I don't want you to feel super bad, but I want you to realize what God's word says. I want you to realize that to follow Jesus isn't just simply going through a bunch of motions. It's actually living it out. One of the things that our speaker said this weekend that even resonated with me, and I've heard my dad say it several times too, is when people have to wait for the church or wait for the pastors to tell them how to serve, they really don't have a servant's heart. When you are looking for ways to serve, when you're looking for areas of how you can help other people, that's when you're starting to live like Jesus. That's when you're starting to have the servant's heart, when you're starting to have these fruits show up in your life. And so, what is all this? Oh, I think it's going to just stack. You're going to have to help me move these slides. There you go. There you go. So, so what does all this have to do with this? First off, serving Christ is never about what is convenient. 
And that's something that was said multiple times this weekend. It's not about what's convenient. If we're waiting for what's convenient, we'll never step out to serve because serving people is not convenient. I mean, it's not. But do you really think that Jesus was waiting for something to be convenient for him? Because obviously, you know, the Bible says Jesus came to be served, right? No, it doesn't. It says he did not come to be served, but to serve. If Jesus, the perfect person, that's the only perfect person that's ever walked on this earth, is going on to serving people, what makes us think that we shouldn't have to do that? He was our ultimate example, the ultimate thing we should strive to, the ultimate person we should strive to be like. To be more and more like Jesus. What are we doing to, to do that? Because we say many times, like, man, that sounds really good. That is a great sermon we heard this week from Pastor Tim. That was a great thing I, I read on, on the internet today about, man, if I repost this, God's going to help me. Or, man, I, maybe I just man, read this, heard this verse on the radio driving in, and, man, just, man, I am deep in God's word today. And we start thinking about all these things. And think, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change. I'm going to be like this. And all those things are great, but if nothing ever actually changes, those things meant nothing. It's about life change. It's not about hearing good things that make us feel good and that we can just give ourselves a high five and think life's going to be grand. It's about life change. Think about where you were a year ago today in your spiritual walk and where you are today. Can you really say that there is a difference? Not not simply, yeah, I think I'm a little bit different. Is it, There should be a drastic difference between a one year's time. Is there a difference? Where are you serving at? Where's your fruit? So the thing is, sometimes even though we wait for convenience and that's never going to happen, we all say, well, if somebody else does it, then obviously I'll do it then. God didn't call you to wait for somebody else. God called you to do it now. He, Paul didn't say, well, you're created to be his workmanship, but wait for somebody else to go with you. Wait for somebody else to volunteer, and then all of a sudden, then you can start serving. He said, no, you're his workmanship, created for good works. You've already been created for good works. You don't have to worry about if anybody else was, they were too, but you have to worry about yourself. You were already created. You have the gifts, abilities, and talents to do anything that God's already planned out for you to do because he's given you the exact things that you need to serve other people and ultimately to serve him. So... Go to that next slide, please. So this is something we heard a lot this weekend, but I want you to hear again. Who you are determines what you do. Who you are determines what you do. If you say, man, I'm going to change, I'm going to be more like Jesus, I'm going to serve him, I'm going to do all these great things, and nothing ever happens, that's not who you are in here. That's not who you really are. If nothing changes, you are not that person on the inside. Because who you are on the inside determines what you do. What you do does not determine who you are. Who you are determines what you do. If you love Jesus, you're going to love other people. If you love Jesus on the inside, you're going to serve people on the outside. If you love Jesus with who you are, you're going to do whatever you can to serve people around you. There will be nothing holding you back because you can't help but serve other people. You can't help but have these fruits that Jesus was talking about because you have this desire in you to go out and do these things. Nothing compels us more to do these things other than because of who Jesus is in us and through us. Who is Jesus to you? Where is your fruit? Who you are determines what you do.
So last question I have for you. Who are you serving? Where are you serving at? If you really are struggling to find somewhere to serve, come find us, tell us your gifts and abilities. I promise you, we'll find a way for you to serve. We'll help you. That's what Pastor Tim and Lauren and myself and, and all of these leaders across the church are here for, to help you in these areas when you struggle with those things. If you really don't know, come find us. We'll help you. But who are you serving? God's called you to do it. Will you do it? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this time you've given us together. God, I pray you'd help us all just to be people who would fall after you, who would serve you daily with our lives. Jesus, that we wouldn't wait for it to be convenient, that we wouldn't wait for somebody else to jump in with us, but God, that we would jump full in because who we are determines what we do and who we are says that we want to follow you with all of our lives and who we are claims that we believe in your son, that we believe in Jesus Christ and that we believe that what he said is true. God, help us to, to follow you with everything that we have. God, I pray that we would never simply go through the motions of coming to church or simply doing the things that we think are right just because it's what we are told is good to do. God, I pray that it would be a desire of our heart to do these things, that we would desire to serve other people, that we would desire to make your name known. Jesus, help us have fruit. Help us find people and ways to serve. Help us to love you more every day and in doing so that we'd love other people. Jesus, we love you and thank you for all you do. It's your name we pray. Amen.